welcome to Interviews with Educators. I'm Austin. And I'm Casey. We wanted to speak with individuals involved in education about education. I mean, we talk to each other a bunch, but we value other perspectives. Thanks for joining us. Welcome back to another episode of Interviews with Educators. I'm Austin. And I'm Casey. And we are here today with our special guest, Dr. Amrita Chaturvedi, the Assistant Professor of Educational Studies at SLU. Um, we were going to ask her a couple of different questions. Welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Uh, one of the first questions that I wanted to hop into was, I was looking over sort of, um, you have your curriculum vitae posted online, and so I was reading through it trying to see like who we were talking to today and learn mm -hmm. a little bit about you. Um, you had sort of an interesting background of um, degrees leading up to where you are currently located, and I was trying to figure out what your background was, like what was the path that you took to get mm. to education? Yeah, it's funny that you bring up my CV because just yesterday I had this thought, I really need to update it. <laughs> and my boss at SLU has been asking for updated CV, so I guess one of the first things I'm going to do when I get back is update that. There you That's go. It's a universal sign of saying you got to do it. Um, <laughs> so, so, yeah. Um, well, so as you uh, alluded to, it, um, it's, a, it's been an interesting journey. It's not the one that I intended to take. Um, still, sometimes I think of it, I'm like, wow, I'm in the field of education. That's the last thing that I had on my mind. So, so basically the way it started was, um, I think it, uh, was, I was in my master's program in India and my master's is in, uh, master's of commerce. So it's equivalent to your master's in business over here. Um, so I was in that program my first year. And at the same time, my mom was kind of teaching a few neighborhood kids who were coming from underprivileged backgrounds, uh, background rather. Um, so she was doing that for a year and then she had some health uh, issues with her eyes, or rather her, yeah, with her eyes. And she asked me, hey, can you just teach this, these kids for like a few days? And my first thought was, what do I know about education? Sure. So I was like, okay, I'll do it, you know, as a favor to my mom. And so I started to do that and I just, before I knew it, like I kind of really got into it, um, not because of the education piece, but the stories that these kids had, uh, you know, so, so that was the beginning of it. But anyway, so I went on and finished my master's and then I just had no future plans. Um, and I just decided to volunteer at this place for people with disabilities uh, because of a neighbor who worked there and and before I knew I was there, I was working for a year. Um, and at the same time, I actually started a school for those underprivileged kids um, that my mom was teaching and just after hearing those stories that they had about how they were treated. So, so I had the school, um, started off with 20 kids um, as one of the first teachers there. And then working with kids with individuals with disabilities for a year. Um, then I had to make a decision what I was going to do. And uh, my mom was visiting the States at that point in time, and she said, hey, if you're interested in education, why don't you get a degree in it? And I was like, why not? <laughs> um, because at the same time, I was applying for a master's in, um, actually a PhD in accounting um, in the U.S. So, I don't know, it just happened. Yeah. So, I know, long story short, that's my journey. There you go, I like it. Um, that's really interesting. Um, so you just got done teaching a class, um, mm -hmm. at SLU. Yeah. Uh, what do you like when you, what do you like to see when you walk into a classroom or what do you like to, how do you like to run your classroom? So when I enter a classroom, um, 
what I really want to see kids do is be all chatty. Uh, it it absolutely f terrifies me when I walk into a class and the kids are quiet. So what I really want to see is my students being all chatty and that tells me that they, one, are happy to be there and they have the energy to be there. Um, so that's one thing I definitely want to see. Um, yeah, sort of that controlled chaos type of a thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, it just helps me kind of channel that. Yeah, you know? I agree. Walking so. into a room full of people who were just like sitting there silently staring at you was oh, really no. off-putting. So yeah. yeah. That um, freaks me out. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. Um, as you go through with education and you're looking back at what you've done with your classes that you've taught and mm. the people that you've been to maybe visit in their own classrooms and things like that, if you were to talk to a teacher who was brand new in the field, Mm -hmm. or someone who was like you, maybe aspiring to move into that, they're at the earlier part of their career and thinking mm -hmm. about it. What is some advice that you might give someone who's moving into the realm of education in terms of what they could either look forward to or things that they should keep in mind as they progress? So I have three things. Um, first, I will say to those aspiring teachers or first-year teachers, just be honest with your students. I mean, I think that is... I know people say, hey you know don't get too close to your kids or like you got to treat them like kids but no i mean there's something about being honest and telling them really what's going on uh, to the extent that you can uh, mm -hmm. they need to know you're a human being as well and i think we lose that aspect of teaching um so one be honest with them you know to the extent tell them you know, where you are you know and how you're doing emotionally if you had a bad day if you're having a good day i, I always start off with that uh, so that's my first advice. The second is um, you got to treat them with respect and kindness. Like if you do that, I can guarantee you that you will get the same in return twofold. Um, it's just fine. Um, and the third thing um, I would say is have a sense of humor. It's just and just you know it's okay to make a fool of yourself mm -hmm. i mean we all do right right and i think there's something to be said about that absolutely yeah it's that level of connection and a humility piece yeah, to humility. like show them yeah. that you don't mind yeah. right no i totally agree that's that's actually a better word humility you definitely yeah have to practice that so you're absolutely your your uh, your journey in education has been a little bit atypical um, Very <laughs> yeah. So and there, there's always new things in education coming out. There's yeah. always, there's always yeah. progr progress um, happening in education. What is it? Are there things that are um, that you're excited to see in the near future of education? I know you're very uh, heavily involved in research. What is what is um, the goal? Are you? Let me just correct you a little bit because if my boss hears this, he's gonna be like, "That's incorrect." So I have started to get heavily involved in research okay. last year. I'm still working on a few projects, which I'm hoping will be a fruit uh, this year. So okay. I just want to be... Sure. Um, I've been focused on teaching mostly up until last year. So I'm trying to kind of change that. So coming back to what I'm really excited about... Um, and I kind of have to tone myself down because I'm really excited about this. <laughs> um, I'm really excited to see how the role of teachers is going to change 
in the next five years or so, uh, given where technology is headed. Um, I firmly believe, um, and I know a lot of people are not, you know, are have the same belief when it comes to technology. But I firmly do believe that in the next five years or so, um, the traditional role of teachers as a content expert is going to change. Um, I think. I think and I hope and I believe that teachers will probably end up being more of coaches, mm -hmm. uh, individual coaches for students where they are helping them grow emotionally, mentally, physically and spiritually. I mean, that's just, um, I really do see that happening. Um, in some ways, we are already seeing that happen where those needs are, those needs are not being met of uh, students and teachers are and administrators are feeling that as well. Uh, so I think with more time on our hands with technology and artificial intelligence that can take care of at least some of the content piece, that teachers may actually end up doing that uh, or will have to do that. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm really excited to see how that changes, uh, how that will change. Um, so yeah, that's definitely one thing I'm really excited about. Nice. Is there anything that you can think of that might be happening like in St. Louis specifically, maybe at SLU or just in our region? Um, that is sort of where you're envisioning that that is where education is headed within the next five to ten years? Um, so I can't necessarily speak for St. Louis uh, per se. Uh, I'll, I know a lot is happening in Europe okay. and places like China um, where we are using artificial intelligence a lot to kind of uh, deliver the content um, to students. And teachers are more playing the role of a facilitator or someone as someone who oversees that process. Um, so it is something that is going to trickle into the US in the next five years or so. And mainly because education and technology, those two, when you combine them, so education technology is probably going to become one of the biggest businesses because mm -hmm. there's a lot of money to be yeah. made, right? Um, so when that happens, I think it is going to filter into the US as well. I mean, it's a capitalist economy, right? So it's bound to happen. And when you see that happen, then I guess we will not have choice because that will save money, right? To, mm -hmm. to a large extent. Mm -hmm. And we can allocate our resources more effectively. Um, so to answer your question, I don't see much happening in the US. I know there are places that we are experimenting with that. Um, so MIT is one place where they are doing stuff like that. Um, looking at technology and all that. So it's a matter of time. It's more international right now. Okay. So, are there any other programs in the St. Louis region that you are super excited about, either experiencing currently or that you know are like headed down the pike? Uh, I honestly have not looked at St. Louis that much in terms of uh, that piece. Um, like I said, I, I guess I haven't said that, um, but you know that personally, Casey. Um, because of my international connections, I kind of see that. I travel quite a bit, and I do see that um, happening in, in conversations with um, different educators. I've seen that. But bringing it back to a few places in the US, um, there have been moves where we are starting to use robots uh, to deliver content to kids with autism and also to help them teach social skills. So we kind of have seen that happen uh, a little bit. Mm -hmm. but to bring it more in a regular classroom, I think it will take a, a little bit of time, mm -hmm. probably like five years or so, uh, before it becomes uh, financially feasible to do that.
Interesting. Um, you mentioned earlier the 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 resource allocation is a very important aspect of what we have to consider in education. Um, what are some of the resources that you find the most fruitful for educators? Like, what do you think as far as would you recommend books or podcasts or anything particular? Um, social media, uh, individual research. Like, what what would you what would you tell educators? Hey, this is where you should look for. Um, what will help you in your classroom and in your future? Um, your search engines. <laughs> you know, I don't want to be um, funny about it, but that's kind of the reality, right? I mean, you go on Google and you search whatever you want and you'll come up with a million resources, right? And there's so many resources out there, it just depends on you and end up, as an individual where you want to go with it. Mm -hmm. um, so, I mean, I, I, I personally, I mean, just go online and just Google it and just see, depending on what topic I need some information on, because there's so much that comes in every day, you know. Uh, in terms of books, I mean, I haven't read that much lately, but I know one book that my colleagues have definitely recommended for teachers is this book called Lost at School. Okay. Um, so, and I'm forgetting the name of the author, uh, but apparently it's a really nice book. Um, and talks about kids with uh, emotional and behavioral um, challenges and how they kind of are lost at school and how to kind of help them find their place and what exactly is going on. Sure. Um, so I think that's a book that I think all educators could read because we will have those kids in our classroom given where we are headed as a society. And that that harkens back to your earlier comment about what you want to see when you walk into your classroom is mm -hmm. is students chatting. If everybody's mm -hmm. lost at school, they're not going to be chatting. So that's going to yeah. facilitate that a little bit. Yeah. Did you already find it, Austin? I'm trying to pull it up, but it will not connect <laughs> to the internet. I was trying to do it seamlessly. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if, if someone is quiet, you know, when everyone is kind of talking, I mean, that is either they are really reflective on something which can be a good thing mm -hmm. but usually it's like they're just lost or they have stuff that is going on and that is kind of stressful for them right so, so yeah and those those uh three suggestions that you made for the new educator that's mm -hmm. that's a good way to get to those students is being honest with them and saying look i know you're struggling but i also i also struggle um making sure that that's at the forefront there's such there's still there's still such a stigma about struggling either either with mental health or with various issues as educators that sometimes we're fearful yeah. of expressing that yes um for some reason yeah. but uh yeah and i just want to add one more thing to what you just brought up i think that that honesty and that um yeah that honesty can actually also help us bridge that generational divide as well because mm -hmm. that you know there's that there's always oh, been yeah. that gap and i think just being honest and sharing where we are coming from and what is going on i think does help close that divide as well i agree yeah, yeah. so yeah there are a lot of benefits from being honest right i found the book Okay. It looks like it is Lost at School, Why Our Kids Are, or excuse me, Why Our Kids with Behavioral Challenges Are Failing. I cannot read suddenly. Why Our Kids with Behavioral Challenges Are Falling Through the Cracks and How We Can Help Them by Ross W. Green. Does that seem like the correct author? Uh, I guess so, because like I said, I have not read that book, but Fair. my uh, good colleagues have read that and recommend that book. So. All right. So as you're 
looking at education just sort of as like a, a whole field and it's sort of changing and morphing and we're moving towards different technological advancements and things mm -hmm. like that. Um, and you said that you see the role of an educator sort of becoming more of like a facilitator and the whole economics piece becoming more of a thing. Mm. Um, I know it's not one of the things that we had previously, but I'm kind of just wondering, um, do you think that that's going to lead to possibly like the job market for education potentially shrinking as time goes on? I know that currently the United States economy is short by a couple hundred thousand teachers nationwide. Mm. Um, is this something that you can see sort of alleviating that stress that we feel in public education or as time goes on oftentimes what what i've noticed is that like pay in education doesn't necessarily increase the same way that it does in other fields and so mm -hmm. those who are best qualified for certain positions often either don't choose education or um, leave education mm -hmm. in pursuit of a better paycheck and things mm -hmm. like that um, as we move the content expert piece away from the educator themselves mm -hmm. and ask them to be more of a guide on the side facilitator mm -hmm. do you think that's going to result in fewer people picking education as we move forward i don't know if it's going to be fewer people i think more people may get really interested okay. in that uh, because then it really does end up being hey i really want to help this kid you know grow emotionally physically mentally spiritually i mean i mean that's 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 something that's really fulfilling right you know i mean with the access we have to technology and internet, anyone can go online and we just look up yeah. anything we want to, which is fine, right? Mm -hmm. As a teacher, yes, I mean, my goal will be to help them understand how those pieces of information or that knowledge connects in a wider world. So that itself is going to change. But then also the ethical and the moral side of it, which mm -hmm. also is connected to our well-being, right? So kind of we will be talking about content but in a different way and how it relates to us as a human being in the larger society okay um and that includes our well-being because that is one of the biggest challenges that we are facing in the century uh, and education is the backbone of our society and if we don't change our focus i think it's going to have repercussions um, we already are seeing that so, I don't know if that answers No, it absolutely answers the question. No, 100%. Um, in terms of the whole like wellness of the individual, what do you specifically do in order to sort of keep yourself on track with what you're doing and nice and balanced? Um, so I try to do 45 minutes of um, breathing and meditation every morning. Okay. Um, usually I'm successful at doing that. Uh, and then in the last few months, I've started to swim four times a day. Okay. Um, so that seems to really help as well. Um, and then sometimes I have students or my coworkers who come in, and especially I, I, would, I shouldn't say coworkers. I have just one coworker who comes in, and we breathe. Uh, we try to breathe for ten minutes every day um, around afternoon, and that really helps. It's just it's just something I wish everyone did. More of like a mindfulness piece. Yes. Yeah, being just present. Um, I saw that that was an interest of yours um, in terms of things that you would like to research in, in mm -hmm. the future. Have you taken any steps towards researching mindfulness? Yes. Um, so I just want to, and I think I'm, I'm, because of my background, I'm, I'm a little bit of a stickler when we use that term mindfulness. Um, I would say mindfulness is not ne necessarily an intervention. It's, it's more an outcome, right? So when you look at this whole movement of mindfulness, um, 
I want you to kind of imagine a pyramid. And at the base of that pyramid is our breathing. And that's where these um, breathing techniques that is used in yoga come into place, which is commonly talked about. So uh, alternate nostril breathing, deep belly breathing. So that's kind of the base of that pyramid. So when you're able to breathe and kind of uh, control your physical body, which science shows that it happens when mm -hmm. you do certain breathing exercises, uh, that you then are able to be in a state where you can kind of start to meditate. And then once you're able to meditate, then you become mindful, mindful of things around you. So it's an outcome of those two previous exercises. Um, so, I mean, that by itself is something that I'm kind of uh, working on with a colleague um, and writing that piece up. Um, so, yeah. yeah. So just That's to fine. answer your question, yes, we are doing some research. We are looking at um, how certain breathing practices uh, can reduce stress and increase our level of flourishing. Um, with pre-service teacher, this is the research I'm doing with a colleague in uh, Baltimore, uh, University of Notre Dame, and then um, a colleague at Harvard Human Flourishing Program. So, yeah. um, so taking those things into account, and with the with the evolution of what education is going mm -hmm. to look like within mm -hmm. the next five years, mm -hmm. do you think that those those practices or aspects of those practices mm -hmm. are going to become more on the forefront of education, do you think that's going to be something that we that we help our students develop those skills that we help our students develop a little bit more? I I really think we will not have a choice but to do that. Um, yeah, it will it will have to become um, a practice that we will have to teach mm -hmm. our kids. I wish it wasn't that way, uh, but I think we are headed where we will have to teach that. To all our kids. Sure. Um, yeah, and a lot of schools are doing that on a voluntary basis, but right. I think at some point we'll reach, you know, that conclusion that this is something that is needed and it becomes part of our regular teaching in our curriculum. Would you just, I'm, I'm just curious, what age would you start those kinds of practices with? I mean, you could start as old as three years old. Okay. You know, it just depends on how you teach them right. that. Right, um, but you can start as early as three years, as long as they can take direction, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's around the time, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. 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 Right. Uh, my background is not early childhood. So. <laughs> <laughs> I have a couple. Of, I have a couple of early children that that yeah. uh, sometimes yeah. have difficulty taking direction. Yeah, yeah. I don't have kids. Uh, so let's see. Um, what would you say is your favorite part of education sort of as a whole? You've talked a little bit about the whole like interconnection, the humanity piece. Mm -hmm. Is that your favorite part? Do you have other yeah. parts of education that you think speak to you? Actually, it's kind of along the same lines. Um, the favorite part for me is my students and just to see how they grow over time. You know, especially when you have a student who comes in as a freshman and then you have them again like senior year or or junior year and just to see how much they've grown mm -hmm. it's sometimes you, I'm just blown away it's like wow you know and just to have the opportunity to be a part of that journey mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's pretty pretty awesome yeah watching them make that philosophical jump oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yep yeah it's it's pretty clear I mean you just when you speak of your students you you glow you, you get really excited yeah. and that, and that's that's neat um and it, it 
it's apparent to me that you admire aspects of your students. Um, I'm curious, what else, what other characteristics um, do people display that you would admire that you consider almost like heroic? We had a question on here that said, who is your hero? And we don't like to try to pick one person that embodies all these characteristics. We like to look at yeah. characteristics as a whole a little bit more. So what are things that you admire about others? I know, I would say, honesty, to just show where that human being is. Um, and some students, you know, I guess I'm going to bring it back to students, but I'll start there and then I'll bring it to non-student population, like individuals in general. Um, just a student who's able to just say, yeah, I'm having a really hard day and I recognize that and I'm doing my best. And it's either working or not working. Just that, you know, just honesty and humility of like just saying that. It's just, I think that's just something attractive about that piece. That tells me a lot about that individual. Because mm -hmm. I do, there's, you know, there are people who have no clue. Right. And I was one of those people. I had no clue that. I was not in a good place, you know, so I think if you, you know, I was looking at that question, like, who's your hero? Because you guys did. Um, <laughs> and I could not come with a, come up with an answer. But sitting here talking to you guys, I just realized my heroes are my students. Like, they really are. Yeah. And it's because they really teach me a lot about life. And they show me, they're a mirror for me, like where I was, where I am, and where I can be. Like, so I would say just, yeah, that they're taking that journey as well. And yep. just to learn from what they're doing. I think they, yeah. I think that's interesting. The willingness to participate, the the, yeah. the journey itself, that growth, all of yeah. those things are, yeah. are very admirable. And I would, yeah. I would agree with you completely yeah. on those, um, yeah. those characteristics. Yeah, you're giving me a lot to think. <laughs> like, seriously, like it's it's funny. Sometimes you don't realize certain things till you like hear someone say something, like you uh -huh. said, right? In terms of hero, and it just just struck me that that's kind of yeah. It's kind of why we started this, actually. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we had a whole conversation that somehow got on the topic of like, what did you enjoy most about like becoming a teacher? And mm -hmm. my answer was like, I think for me and for a lot of people that I've spoken with the best part of going to college for education wasn't necessarily the books that we read mm. or our observations that we did or anything mm -hmm. like that. It was the classroom conversations that we had with each other as we were entering education and with the experts who were already in the field. Mm -hmm. And just that anecdotal piece of getting to know more about the people who are going to be in your field with you and sort of what it's like to have gone through education. Because from this side of the desk as the teacher or as an administrator, Mm -hmm. It's totally different than it was as a student. Oh yeah. And I feel like a lot of people who haven't been on this side of things don't fully understand what it is. And it you do need that community piece mm -hmm. because in so many other professions it's very easy to say like I'm in my cube and I'm doing what I'm doing yeah. and then at the end of the day I'm done. Yeah. And that's not how education works because even though I'm a science teacher, my content bleeds over into a bunch of other classes and mm -hmm. vice versa. Yes. And my students are humans like you said and mm -hmm. you have to sort of get that whole like you have to be able to vibe with your students and understand like where they're coming from, mm -hmm. bridge all their gaps, not only mm -hmm. with content, but then like socially and emotionally. Yeah. And like, like you said, sort of treating them as a whole person. Yeah. Um, and I've always thought that was like the best part of any education yeah. class I've taken. And, you know, coming back to just calling them heroes, there's another reason that I'm kind of just, it's just 
striking me now. When we were students, we can always be students, we always are, I guess, but when we were officially going to school, especially K-12, I mean, we knew what we were getting into. We knew what the future was going to be. Mm -hmm. We had certainty. Mm. I mean, that's gone now. Yes. Right? <laughs> that's totally gone. There's no right. such thing as certainty out there. But I look at these students in my class uh, at the college level, like undergraduate, and they still, even though things are really uncertain, they still have that level of energy and enthusiasm about the world, right? And that just makes me really happy. It gives mm -hmm. me hope. I mean, we as adults, I guess I shouldn't say we, but sometimes I really do get um, hopeless about where we are headed. You mm -hmm. know? But then you walk into the classroom and you see these kids like doing all these amazing things. And, and it's just like, well, that's, that's, that's good. Yeah. Right. Got that, hope for the future. Right. <laughs> well, and that, that excitement yeah. is yeah. contagious. Yeah. You can't, yeah. you can't help but yeah. really, really yeah. uh, feed off of that. Yeah. With, with those students. Yeah. Yeah. So sort of kind of along those same lines again. <laughs> yeah. I know I, I keep asking lots of questions. No, I love this. I'm, I'm <laughs> I love, I love um, talking about this. It's, it's one of the other questions that we had on here. So you were talking about like meeting with your students and sort of like getting a bunch of energy from them and that mm. you sort of view them as having heroic um, potential and mm. that whole piece. Um, what do you hope to leave as your legacy for them on the other half of that mm. conversation? So what you get from them is awesome, but what do you hope to impart to them? You know, I've never thought of this before up until kind of this point in time. Um, I would think that the one thing they get away, take away from that is that they recognize that it gets better, that things are going to be difficult sometimes, but it is those difficult times that teach us the most. And I remember saying this to one student a while ago. I don't know if you remember how I said this to her. When things are going good, always live in the moment. And when things are going bad, think about the future. I like that. Right, and I think that's, yeah. So I just, yeah, I just hope that they recognize that piece. Just that things get better. That's good. I like that. Yeah, a lot. I know. I was like, I, I <laughs> want to put that over my door. Yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah. And I think we do the opposite, right? I mean, when. Oh, yeah. You perseverate on negative. Yeah. yeah that's, yeah. I think, part of the that's, human condition. Yeah. I got to remind myself that as well. So. I think that goes for you and for everybody. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's, it's difficult to slow down and really appreciate when things are, things are yeah. going really well. Yeah. Um, when they're not, just think about all the things we want to do in the mm -hmm. future. Right. Or we will do in the future. Right. So, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Um, Amrita, I wanted to talk to you a little bit. You've done a lot of work with special education, with, with special school district here in St. Louis, but you've had experiences um, nationally and internationally. Mm -hmm. What What is the role of special education in in the larger education, and what, how do you see it addressed differently locally than nationally or internationally? Um, just for the record, I just want to clarify one thing. So I don't necessarily have that much experience working with special school district, but, but that is one of the things that is really different about this region because uh, not many other places have that. 
in the U.S. I think there's one other place somewhere on the East Coast that has a special school district. So okay. that makes it really different. I do have uh, more experience working inter internationally with U.S. special ed than I do in the U.S. Um, so I just want to okay. make that clear. Uh, sure, thank you. Um, so yeah, um, can we go back? Can you just repeat your question? I was like, <laughs> I, I was like thinking I about. Okay, I gotta correct you. Sure. So, um, how do you how do you see the role of special education under the umbrella of larger education? Um, how does that differ locally compared to internationally? So, I'm gonna kind of um, answer that question indirectly, um, and this is an idea that I've been kind of sharing with my classes last two semesters and I don't I may be digging myself in a hole saying this um, out loud where it can get it will get public um, the first thing I really think we at some point really should think about the term special um, because the moment we come up with the term special, we are already segregating people, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right? Um, so I really hope that we come up with a better name. I don't know. I don't know what it would be and how it will look like. Um, that's kind of one thing that I kind of wanted to uh, put out there um, because what we are basically our push right now is inclusion right mm -hmm. like that kids with disability belong right in the regular classroom but the but the, by the very nature of the term we are using to define those kids or label those kids with is already i mean it's like we're already setting them apart because they're special kids who are coming to get education in an inclusive classroom right so i, I on a philosophical level, I, I find that ironic, if that's the right Yeah, word. absolutely. Um, forgive me, English is not my first language, if that is the right word or not. But So that's kind of one of the things, and I just wonder if that is something that needs to change in the field of education, in the field of special education, then it will have an impact on the education field overall. Uh, because it's a big philosophical shift, I would think. Mm -hmm. uh, so, I mean, I know. that's That's been something that has been on my mind. Like, how that is a big disservice, actually. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'm sure there are a lot of, most people will disagree, especially in the field of special education. Or maybe I'm making that up. Well, I think it's, I think but, it's interesting, because you make a good point. We are setting up all these services separately. Mm -hmm. Um, to support students, which I don't think is necessarily a bad thing, but you're right, categorizing students as special, yeah, yeah um, makes it makes it difficult to, uh, I mean, makes it difficult for anybody to see yeah. see people as anything else. Yeah, I mean, even those kids who don't have a disability, right? I mean, they hear the term special education, and it's in their mind like, oh, it is special, special, right? right. So right there, we are like creating that uh, sense of difference mm -hmm. right? and I think one of the first things I think we could really do away with is that label of special um, but I don't know 
And but you worked in um, in education in India as well for before you were before you came to the United States. Was that was that a different experience, um, or how how does that differ? So coming back to special education, right? Um, there's no such thing as special education in India. Okay. Technically, I mean there is, but there's not in some ways. So it's kind of the other side of it, the other end of the spectrum. Um, so you will have kids with disabilities uh, in your regular classroom, and most of the times they are not going to be identified, and they will not get the services. Um, so, and these are kids with ADHD, learning disability, um, mild form of autism, so it's difficult to kind of diagnose that. Mm -hmm. um, and they're not necessarily identified, and they are in that general education classroom. A lot of times they are struggling. Um, they don't necessarily have that label, so it's so it's kind of interesting. Um, do um, those students are those students able to find success in the in the typical classroom? So it depends. Unlike the U.S., um, I guess it is kind of similar to the U.S. Uh, it will depend on the socioeconomic status of the parents, right? So if you have a kid who's coming from middle to high middle income class family, then their parents will provide help, tuitions and like tutors and all that stuff. So that way they will kind of help the kid catch up. Mm -hmm. But if you, they don't have the resources, then there's high probability that that kid is going to not necessarily succeed. Uh, in private schools in India, where you have you know kids coming from um, but yeah, um, rich families, and there's a few schools like that in India, that you do have services that you get for uh, disabilities. It's just because it's okay. just, a, there are different mm -hmm. tiers of schools in India. So there you will have kids with all those diagnoses and you have services that they get. So yeah. it's, yeah. It's interesting. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a pretty different world, I would say. Yeah. Neat. I like it. <laughs> yep. I'd like to get the opportunity to go visit other school systems in other countries so that I could get like a better idea of like what is happening outside of the U.S. Because I feel like public education in the United States obviously is different from city to city within demographics and things of that nature. But like the general premise, the general yeah. concept seems yeah. to be pretty much unified. Um, and I've always been interested in how it's approached by other cultures around the planet. So I'll just have to mention this then. Um, so, with my colleague that I've kind of alluded to, her name, her name is Christine Larson, and she works at Notre Dame um, University, uh, University of Notre Dame in Maryland. Um, she and I are working on a project in India uh, where we are looking at taking teachers from the U.S. there to one give some PD here that is focused more on their well-being and then also to introduce them to a different education system so we are hoping to take some teachers next year and we are open to taking a few this year uh, this year as well should someone be interested so if ever you are please let us know and yeah. we will provide a place for you to stay food to eat uh, as long as you get yourself over there yeah that'd be um, fun yeah. and then we'll work on your well-being yeah we'll say don't threaten me Do with some, an opportunity no, <laughs> Pass we'll have to kind of uh, talk about that. Yeah, That's absolutely. Fun. Yeah, that'd be fun. Yeah. 
Yeah. So yeah, I just had to put it in. No, I like Shameless it. Plug, I guess is that is that what they call it? Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. I like it. Right. A, a, a necessary plug. Right. I think. Yeah, unnecessary I think that, plug. No, I think yeah. it is necessary. I think yeah. people need to hear about that opportunity. Um, if somebody is interested, um, is there a way that they can get in contact with you, or is that a program that they can research on their own? So. This is all work in progress. We will be putting it on a website that we have for this nonprofit that we have in India. Um, so that is something that will happen eventually, hopefully in the next few weeks. I think this is just a sign again that we need to get on it. Uh, <laughs> but in the meanwhile, um, if people can email me, uh, that would be great. Okay. And, um, I can send you, Casey, all the information. Sure. Um, yeah. So. Thank fun. you. Yeah. Uh, Goodness, we've we've covered a lot of ground. Sure um, yeah. Um, yeah, I appreciate your time here today. Is there anything that we didn't ask you that you wanted to mention? Something I can think of. I just want to put in one last shameless plug. I learned that from my students. <laughs> so I feel I'm part of the culture, right? Yep. Um, so one of the things that um, I want to get the word out there for is... That this October uh, we are organizing a conference at SLU um, and it's called Education for Flourishing, uh, Promoting Well-Being and Addressing Trauma. Um, it will be open, it will be free for teachers and should they want to sign up for some PD hours then there will be a minimal cost for it if they want to get credit or something for mm -hmm. it. Uh, but we are working on the details, and I can send it out to you guys. And Absolutely. Yeah, that sounds really fun. Uh, but that is something that uh, we are working on, and I'm really excited about uh, this year. That's definitely so, exciting. So, yeah. But I think that's, that's pretty much it. Sweet. Wonderful. Thank well, you thank you. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Um, I wanted to make sure that I got this right. When things are going good, live in the moment. When things are going poorly, live in the future. Yeah. Right, yeah. Think about the future. Yeah. I like I'll it. I'll live in okay. the future. I mean, yeah. I mean, we can, you we can live there as well. <laughs> I mean, seriously. Like, it's, be, it's all about living in your head, though. Right. Right. Yeah, right. So you right. Can live. I mean, I've done that. Absolutely. Yeah. So. Well, yeah. thank you so much for your time today. Yeah, thank you so much. Uh, this has been fun. It has been fun. Right. Uh, thanks for joining us. Thank you. Bye. 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 Thank you for listening. If you'd like to reach us, you could use... The Twitter, I am at C. Oliarnik. That is at C-O-L-E-A-R-N-I-C-K. And I'm at Austin W. Ferguson. That's A-U-S-T-I-N-W-F-E-R-G-U-S-O-N. Bye. Bye.